Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of Dudley Boy, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. <sighs> We do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AW Collision, but also AW Dynamite, Raw, Smack, and the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review this week's episode of AEW Collision. Oh. Oh. I'm so sorry, mate. I've, what? I've clearly messed up my notes here because there was two women's matches on this show. What? Huh? <laughs> Uh, it's not the lead. The lead is, is the best collision ever. Yeah, sorry, yeah. That's the lead. This well. is the best collision ever. Right. Under, this is, in terms of a two-hour television program, like, this was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I would put it just underneath the very best episodes of television AEW was ever produced. Yeah. And that's purely because, this is the good news. Good news is that... They've got great promos, and they could stick a microphone in someone's hand and say, go out there for five minutes. They could always rely on that. The angles, they don't need angles for this Continental Classic tournament that they're doing because much of some exceptional storytelling and permutations and drama and where is this going, that's ultimately what an angle functions to do. So the hard part is great action that makes you feel something, particularly in 2023. That's becoming a hard part. The other hard part is plotting out story beats and angles that lead you to think, ah, where's that going? That's an angle. It's going at a different angle. So that's where that's where that the etymology of the word within wrestling comes from. And I'm looking at those uh, permutation and those standings, and I'm thinking, well, who's losing to who? Yeah. Who's getting this win and all the rest of it? So they've done the hard part of drama, unpredictable, permutations, hooks for next week, great in-ring action, pretty much a flawless show. There's literally one thing on here I didn't like. One thing. Um, Complete the had, trifecta. Pretty much. I mean, I would love to. I would love a better promo than what we got. The mm-hmm. big promo segment fell flat for me personally, but it's not like it's no big thing. You can stick a microphone in about 40 of their hands tomorrow mm-hmm. and get a great promo out of this roster. Uh, these two hours flew by. The crowd was so up for it. Even in matches where I didn't necessarily expect them to go yeah. as hard as they did, this crowd was just in a jubilant mood, like very much putting their money where their f***ing mouth is yes. in terms of what they want to see and how loudly they want to see it. And not only did it have the trifecta, it also had a mystery, which we will get to in due course. Stick around. Uh, The show opened with the uh, Goated Blue League, of course. Uh, It was Claudio versus Andrade El Idolo. Um, And uh, as we always do, during the uh, opening, after the, the initial comments of Eddie Kingston, being like, why are you getting me to do this again? I'm going to kick his ass. And Daniel Garcia saying the same, blah, 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 blah. They were like, let's pop over to our, let's pop over to our Spanish announce team. There's Thunder Rosa. Anyway, moving on. That, that, <laughs> I love that. I did. 
Love it. Also, a nice little detail. She was there for a reason yes. sort of thing. It made her save look like, not just, I'm returning on this night. Yeah. Might as well get my, uh, uh, you know, amongst it. She had a reason to be there, and she saved someone out of her good baby face virtue. Uh. So I'm not going to be as facetious as you, Wilborn. Uh. That's not me. Uh. Um, well, until we get to the mystery part. Indeed, indeed. Um, I tell you what as well, Orange Cassidy was so funny. In oh, the, yeah. In the cold open, but I, uh, I don't know what this is. And see. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Um, so these two just... The, the unstoppable horse meets the immovable Alilo. Um, because they do the, the shoulder blocks. Nothing is happening. No one moves. They they uh, they keep countering or avoiding each other's big moves. Eventually, Andrade gets the upper hand and sends Claudio to the floor. Goes to set up for a big dive and just gets nailed by an uppercut out of nowhere. Um, Andrade gets the upper hand again, though. Cuts off a, a corner charge with a pair of uh, dragon screws, uh, but then Claudio hits him with a Swiss death uppercut to take us to a break. When we come back again, Andrade dodged, dodges another corner charge. Pair of body slams, flying forearm, sets up for the double knees in the corner, but Claudio ducks it, and he's tried it earlier, but this time he gets him in the giant swing, transitions into the sharpshooter. Andrade brilliantly fights out of it and makes it a figure four in his favor. Um, Claudio gets out of that. Andrade goes up top, and in a theme that became common in this match, took off the turnbuckle cover, um, just like he did, of course, against Brody King. But Claudio has seen this, or has noticed this as they're fighting on there, and he will not be sent into the buckle. Um, so instead, Andrade hits him with an avalanche code red for a two count. Double knees in the corner. <sighs> yeah. Oh, my God. Double knees in the corner from Andrade, who goes up top. Again, pulls, pulls the turnbuckle cover off. Uh, but Claudio hits him with an uppercut and a superplex for Claudio, gets a near fall. Andrade comes back, two of the three amigos, but um, Claudio gets out of the third one with an uppercut. Uh, again, Andrade tries to force Claudio into the turnbuckle, but uh, Castagnoli fights him off. Um, they trade chops. Andrade hits that brutal, just, just retire the Judas effect, brutal-looking uh, back elbow. Oh, my God. Andy Murray had a great take on that. It always feels like a shoot. Yeah. It always feels like he's botched something in the best possible way and just connected with something that it's too hard for wrestling. I mean, they'd all kill me, but if I was in a match with Andrade, I'd just eat that boot that he goes for. I just put my head, as, as soon as I saw his foot, <laughs> I would just headbutt it because, you know, it's a better alternative. Uh, this time, Andrade tries for the uh, Hammerlock DDT into the exposed turnbuckle. That would have killed him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he ca counters by sweeping his, his legs out from underneath him. Oh, my God, my cack's landed on it now. Um, <laughs> so the referee's like, right, time to deal with this exposed turnbuckle pad. And that allows Claudio to hit Andrade right in the cock before hitting the neutralizer for the one, two, three. Oh, I love this. What an opener. Absolutely loved this opener. If you'll permit me, right, I'm going to be doing cartwheels throughout. Uh -huh. Permit me, please, some theoretical, mild critique, right? <laughs> okay. Had this match, move for move, played out on a random episode of Dynamite two or three weeks ago, say, for example, the PCC are feuding with the LFI, and this is part of the building mm -hmm. block, I don't think it would get the same reaction... I don't think it would be as hot in the building. The stakes here, and again, like, we need to go back to the rankings after this. Yep, exactly. Hamster made the point on Twitter. I was ready to tweet it before he got there first. This tournament, the in-ring action itself is great, and I will get to that, but it just elevates everything. It just adds meaning to everything. The idea that Andrade El Idolo has just won three matches on the bounce. You can believe him. It's a shock when he doesn't win now. Imagine saying that was a shock when he wrestled three months ago. Yeah. Now when he's winning and now when he's under threat of losing, it feels inconceivable because he's been built as a winner with these visual reminders of those points, the stakes here. Uh, it just felt like this tournament and the idea that wins and losses truly matter um, has really been restored in AEW. And I just hope really my wish, my cr uh, if I was writing a letter to Santa Claus, I wish I'd got there first before I asked him for coffee, would be, can you just bring the rankings back, please, Tony? Because the idea that there are stakes in every AEW match, and to be honest, like over, what, the past two or three weeks, it's felt that way through the Continental Classic dominating uh, many of these TV programs, just elevated everything, and we had that. I don't know when it went away. Maybe the official abandonment of the rankings, 
but maybe before then when you kind of realize, right, they're taking the piss with all these matches on dark. Like I remember, you know when you see like, like match graphics pop up on your on your Twitter feed. And if you're not on Twitter, I'm sorry, but I'm still making a point that should hopefully apply to you here. You'd see people go, oh, people raving about AW29, wondering where that went. And then you got this match on Rampage, you got this match on Collision. It didn't feel that way because when the rankings were in place and you watched a wrestler win two matches on television, you'd go, you do the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from one... Once upon time, time in Hollywood, Hollywood yeah. you go, oh, pay attention to that person. And it used to genuinely feel like every single match had this inherent meaning behind it. Yeah. Because you knew there were really, even if the rankings weren't this incredibly intricate, mathematically precise thing, you knew that if there were two or three victories in a row amassed by one particular wrestler, you knew it was not by accident. Mm-hmm. You can invest in them. That feeling needs to return because it's just in... It's back in such great, exhilarating effect in this Continental Classic for me. You're so spot on, like you said. And the, the the Continental Classic obviously ends before the end of the year, and we talk about AW being the listening promotion, and we know that they listen, of course, because they call us... One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- But the, the rankings always used to reset at the end of the year, didn't they? They did. So you've got... It'd be the perfect opportunity to, to bring them Why back. not just do it? I would say that it's not happening i think it's naive but i would like to think right that they've heard a lot of people over the last however many months not until now say bring back the rankings really try because they want to do a sporting presentation it's just it's so stark now Mm. with this tournament unfolding and why people are reacting to it and how wrestlers are getting over um, like Eddie Kingston just feels like a man reborn in the context of this tournament. He said, "He said if I lose tonight, that's it. I've lost everything." Yeah, like that's the thing. He feels like a performer reborn. Andrade El Idolo is more over than he's ever been in this company, and he signed like what two and a half years ago. Yeah. Like this framework matters when you're trying to do the sports presentation that AEW insists you, it's trying to do. You don't have to necessarily be completely beholden to the rankings as well and i'm not it's the thing that always kind of took the piss a little bit yeah they would find they would work it you can either you don't even have to do that you don't even have to say oh so-and-so's actually won 12 matches on ring of honor you just haven't seen it or whatever or whatever you don't even have to do it like that and i'm not suggesting they obviously reference the ufc because of the ufc connections with wwe and blah 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 if you want to keep that all separate but the ufc doesn't always say you're the champion, and therefore you will fight the number one contender. Sometimes, whether it be through injury or just, this is the biggest money fight. Yeah. Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington happened just this weekend, and Colby's not fought for like a year and a half. But Colby Covington's an arsehole, and he said some horrific things about Leon Edwards' dad in the build, so that's going to make us big bucks. for. The- you can say uh, uh, you're going to have uh, the champion face uh, the number ranked person in the rankings because that's a fun fight. And in the interim, by the way, two and three or one and two or whatever are going to fight off the option. It, you can work it a little bit. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, sat there. They did all well, along. Yeah. They did all along. There's a TV match. This, I think they've had two singles matches, John Moxley and Darby Allen. The first was just on Dynamite in 2019. The second was also on Dynamite in 2020. Darby Allen had just won a match the uh, week before. He was, I think, fourth in the rankings at the time, and then he got a shot at Moxley on TV. If you're a good faith wrestling fan, you know how the promotional side of it works. You know that you want to save your biggest matches for pay-per-view. And I think that AEW, at least for me, when I saw number four go up against uh, John Moxley on TV, my headcanon was always, well, he's obviously not ready enough for the pay-per-view, there's a promoter here, and this is the reality. There's a promoter who wants to make the maximum money for pay-per-views. He's not putting Darby on there yet, but he will get rewarded for his work in this fictional meritocracy with a match on TV. Like, use euphemisms. Yeah. Like, oh, he's an up-and-comer. He's on form. So he gets rewarded in the short term. Like, you can use euphemisms. You can use, like, all of this sort of stuff to make it happen, but it needs to happen. And this match, like, I thought was really, really, really good, but the crowd made it great. Yes. The stakes made it great. That said, like, I'm not 
undermining the work that they did. I'm not saying, oh, they had a good match, but the app and the vibes were great. Like, some of the actual wrestling was great. There's a bit when Andrade, I think he's trying to launch her top, uh, uh, move from the top rope. Claudio Censorsis goes over, and, like, with an almighty shove, Andrade just hops down, shoves him away in one motion. Then they go to this lockup, and I'm like, I feel like one of these 80s losers <laughs> who just like romanticizes this era that might not have even happened except in their heads. Because I saw them lock up and I'm thinking, oh, that looks absolutely spectacular. That just looks so gritty and attritional and well-earned. And then the, the dueling boot thing from Andrade was so clever. Like you're trying, it's like the idea is conjured that you're watching, you're looking at Andrade and you're imagining he's studying tape of his opponents. He's watching his opponents in this Continental Classic in order to scout them, to determine their weaknesses, to see how he can trap them to get ahead and get more points mm. on the board. Like, he's lured him into a big boot dueling battle and thought, oh, I can get him with the thing here. Yeah. What a near fall that was. Genuinely so tremendous. And the finish was just wonderful. You had Andrade going after Danielson's injured eye because you'd kind of be stupid not to. Claudio, at the post-match last week, was it? Yes. It's like, get off, get off, get off, and all the rest of it. And he's like, I'll get you back for this. So you do that, but you also, in the best possible way, protect, and I know that word has been bastardized, but it existed for a reason. You protect Andrade in defeat because people are really connecting with this character. Yeah. And just triumphs everywhere on the show. Uh, that was followed by uh, a squash match, but a, a women's match nonetheless. Uh, it was Abaddon versus Jasmine Allure. Uh, a quick win. Black Dahlia DDT gets the victory. Post-match, the uh, the lights go out. Who should appear in the ring but the TBS champion, Julia Hart. She lays the title at Abaddon's feet. But instead of getting the belt, there's a brawl. Um, hits her with a knee, poses with the title. And Sky Blue's there in the ring and sort of mirrors Abaddon. Um, but then attacks as they turn their back. And uh, commentary says, <laughs> Sky Blue. Oh, Sky Blue. And uh, uh, I was annoyed with this. So there's a beatdown, two-on-one on Aberdeen, but who should make the save, as we mentioned? But a returning Thunder Rosa. Uh, she runs from commentary, runs them off, shakes hands with Abaddon, and there's a lovely reception for Thunder Rosa. Just great to see her back in the wrestling ring. Great to see her back. Um, she was a huge, she was instrumental in making people believe that the women's division could be a thing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just that match with Britt Baker. It was a genuine, like, attitude. She had a real star presence. Like, even when she wasn't working, like, incredible blow-away TV matches, she still always felt like a star. Yeah. Like, the difference maker. Um, subsequent to that series with Baker, she had some highlights before it kind of went badly for her last year. Like, the match she had, was it the first? Was it Double or Nothing or Forbidden Door 2022 against um, Serena Deeb? She had a match on Thunder uh, on pay per view twenty twenty two against Serena Deeb. That was just absolutely awesome. It was. I think it was double or nothing twenty twenty two. Yes, it was. Absolutely tremendous professional wrestling match. So we know she can give you match quality, star power. Um, ah, great to see her back. It's, it's a weird thing. I don't necessarily buy her in Abaddon. Um, as having great chemistry or a rapport <laughs> or anything. It just feels like a weird combination of characters, but we'll let it shake out, and it just feels like it's designed to get Thunder Rosa back in action in San Antonio, which is obviously a great idea. Yeah, uh, that was followed by the acclaimed there backstage with Renee Paquette. Uh, obviously, this is the first time we've seen them since they were attacked by the devil's henchmen, advocates, whatever it is. Masked men, I've heard. Well... Um, they're obviously pissed off. Cass says he wants nothing to do with MJF um, because only bad things have happened since they got involved. Um, yeah, uh, Daddy Ass was really fired up here, as was Anthony Bones, who says, we're going to hurt whoever hurt us. We're going to get back to our best, be the trio's champions that we, we want to be. Um, but before they can really focus on the devil, in comes top flight and action Andre after that. Awesome match on Rampage. All mm. the people talking about that, of course, and say, by the way, we didn't attack you. We're not involved in all this, but we are awesome, and we quite like a trios match. And the acclaim said, bad timing. We're going to kick your ass. We accept. This felt like they were trying to kill, like, multiple birds with one stone. Yeah. Here. They were trying to justify why the acclaimed have been off TV and seemingly forgotten about. 
um, by basically saying we've been like shelved and we spent that entire time on the shelf, incredibly pissed off at what happened to us. The idea that they've been challenged by the specific trio felt like a pointed rebuttal to all the trio's divisions dead on its arse. Yep. So when he was exciting as it was promised to be, it feels like a vehicle for a team doing house show matches on collision every now and then. Um, not just felt like a problem had been identified and a solution had been provided. Yeah. And given that it was heavy on, like, you could probably, like, imagine, right, we need to get this resolved, this brought to people's attention, we need people to reassure people of this, this, and this. And I thought the Acclaim did a great job ticking a lot of things on the to-do list yeah. and making it feel like a somewhat organic promo at the same time. It's not international title match came next. It's not title. Uh, Orange Cassidy defending against Brian Keith, who obviously uh, had a real showcase at final battle on the Friday. Uh, one on zero hour, one uh, match. Oh, got an elimination in the survival of the fittest match. Cassidy subsequently said, let's have a fight then for the title. Uh, I didn't know a lot much about Brian Keith, but my God, this match got me invest invested in him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Keith, it's it's unfortunate. Like, I would say Brian Keith and the work horseman. Like, I really try and haven't done that great a job this year, honestly, of keeping up with the independence. Part of the reason why is obviously I've got a lot going on in my personal life with a young family, et cetera, et cetera. And another part of it is that the Indies used to have this USP, or two, in fact, um, of you're going to get some absolutely incredible, innovative in-ring action and that you're not going to see elsewhere at that mm -hmm. speed or with that much physicality. Maybe NXT like five, six, seven years ago, but hardly anywhere else in the U.S., um, but now, like, I've wrote this in the past, so mega fans, forgive me for repeating myself. <laughs> Independent wrestling kind of made its major label debut across all in NXT and AEW to the point where, what has it got going for it? If mm. not, like, that's unique to itself because you see long, dramatic, back-and-forth matches on television every single week that aspire to match of the year, mm. working in that sort of full-pelt style. Um, I just feels like there's no incentive to watch independent wrestling unless you've got a lot of free time on your hands. Mm. But Brian Keith and the Work Horsemen in particular are still trying to really make a name for themselves with really stellar work. Um, even if, you know, the incentive to go and watch a long, really intricate, epic match is like... the the desire for that for me has been quelled over the past three or four years. But no, I know Keith has got this great reputation as one of the better wrestlers on a somewhat uninspiring indie circuit, yeah. I guess. I'm, honestly, I'm being gentle compared to what some of you read on our social media. But no, Keith is great. So many good fire-up spots here. Very much a everything matters wrestler. Yeah. Like, he wasn't just trying to get his stuff in. Like, I love the way he worked over Cassidy's leg. It just felt like he'd pinpointed a strategy and found, even when Cassidy was trying to evade him, it's like he'd gone like three moves ahead in his mind. Just felt like a really strategic, cool back and forth match that really got this uh, hometown crowd on side. Yeah, to a certain extent, I thought, are they going to do a shock title change? No, honestly, that? it was so, it was improbably dramatic, this. So uh, he's not having any of this bollocks with uh, Orange Cassidy putting his hands in his pocket. He's just starts chopping the crap out of him. Uh, Cassidy comes back with a drop kick. Uh, Orange gets sent to the apron. Um, Keith just nails him with a big boot when he comes back inside. We go to a break. Uh, when we come back, Cassidy's getting beaten, beaten up by Keith in the corner. Orange Cassidy fights out of a tornado DDT, hits one of his own, uh, hits uh, Keith with a dive on the floor, goes up top, but uh, Keith follows him up there, headbutts him, hits an avalanche exploder. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. A running knee from Keith until Cassidy counters a tiger drive with a beach break for a two count. Um, Cassidy fires back up with kicks, super kicks Keith, but he uh, fires back at him. Knee strike, Yakuza kick, d diamond dust. I thought, are they going to do a tile change? Orange Cassidy just kicks out, brilliant near fall that. Counters so urgent and dramatic. Yeah, is. counters the tiger driver, mouse trap, flash pin, one, two, three, post-match. No handshake, but a tip of the head. I know we're doing this too often. I know we're saying we're doing this too often. If you use a football analogy, right, there are a few things worse than when you support a, a pretty good team at a high level 
and you are drawn in a cup competition against someone in a lower league, and they just, it's the game of their season, mm-hmm. and they are just up for it. They're winning every second ball. They're relentless. They're on you like a rash. Doesn't matter how much quality you've got in that moment. You know this means so much more to them than it does to you. Mm-hmm. And that mentality sometimes wins out, or like a lot of time um, it wins out. And that's how this match played out. Like Orange Cassidy didn't have time to do one bit of his usual like sort of chess master shtick, if you like. <laughs> it's mischievous sort of mind games. As Brian Keith was just relentless. He was wrestling Orange Cassidy like it was a rash on his skin and Cassidy just couldn't breathe. Yeah. He got no room. Like he was getting his legs kicked out from under him, getting drop kicked. Like he couldn't even clutch at a body part before it got kicked away at him. <laughs> yeah. He just survived it. This was a, a third round FA Cup tie of a wrestling match and I thought it was for a TV match considering it just felt like uh, this is another quote unquote Capital G, capital M, good match on a show with three Continental Classic matches. I didn't think I'd have as much time for this right. as I did, but they, they just worked me into it so much. I thought this is, is a TV match, specifically that genre. This is unbelievably good. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Who have you got in the third round again? Um, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. It's a lose-lose, isn't it? They've lose, got Sunderland, lose. by the way, if people are unaware. Yeah, Newcastle got Sunderland in the FA Cup, and we're the baddies. Yeah. We are the baddies. We are the baddies who are expected to win. Oh, oh, what a shame that isn't the, you know, the premise of so many great underdog sports movies. I'm sure that won't happen, even though it happens in Magic of the Cup. You were two balls away from facing Chesterfield, by the way. We were... We would have got Sociedad in the Champions League. Oh, is, the, is that the draw? Alex PSG got Real Sociedad. I'm still annoyed about that penalty decision, by the way. That's uh, 20% of me. Yeah. Uh, Miro's backstage, or in a, a spooky closet, or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> he says, I don't want to get caught up in the drama, but I want to kick Andrade Elidlo's ass because he's an asshole. Uh, after he's lost tonight, that's good, because he's one step closer to being eliminated and one step closer to being redeemed. It's going to kick ass that match. It should. Uh, yeah, he'll be good when it happens. That's mm. the Miro, CJ Perry stuff. Just stinks. Yeah, Just stinks. Just absolutely reeks of do what you want to do. Here you go. But hey, what if they had Nick Nemeth to that combination? Carry on. Commander's backstage with Lexi Nair. Uh, talks about his impressive performances on Rampage and Final Battle. Uh, Roderick Strong interrupts with the Kingdom. Talks about their history uh, with the TV title. And uh, their records in Ring of Honor. Uh, but he says, yeah, you did well, but you lost both your matches. I found my next victim. Oh. Ow, I've just stepped on my own dick. <laughs> For the preview, because yeah. I want to say, Commander, I know Roderick Strong has been sort of beaten up on the outside. Uh, the You know, the, the rigors of war mm-hmm. catching up to him. He's like, ah, God. I know there's Commander, and he's running on the ropes. He's going to do a big majestic flip. Oh, hang on. Be a shame if I'd have stuck my knee on back breaking him. <laughs> he'd probably break your spine doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Still, I want to see it. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. FTR come down to the ring. They uh, are uh, sporting some shiners after the uh, fight to one of Jay, Jay Briscoe, which is lovely, of course. Um, they call out the House of Black, or Cash, uh, Cash Wheeler does, and uh, they say, look, you're jealous of our success. Uh, maybe you're jealous of other people's success. Maybe you're jealous of Brody's success in the Continental Classic. Julia Hart is TBS champion. You're just two chumps with him, basically. Um, you took your frustration out on us. Uh, Dax Howard says, hey, I don't know much about being a model. <laughs> Or words to that effect. I ain't no fashion model. I ain't walking down no catwalks. You can call FTR a lot of things, but one you think you can't say is we never avoid them. Honestly, I'm, I'm not being funny. The man speaks exclusively as if some dickhead has created a Dax Harwood promo generator. He's, flan- he's flanderized him. Congratulations, you flanderized, flanderized yourself. yourself. He's the Dax Harwood promo generator now. Whether you press a random button and it's usually the same 20 lines. I ain't no movie star. There's a snake in my boots. (laughs) New Dax Harwood. Available in stores for this Christmas. There's a snake in your DMs as well. (laughs) Right. So they challenged the House of Black uh, to a match. uh, I was hoping you could help me with this. There was a heckle from the crowd. I couldn't make it out. All I could hear was Dax Harwood go. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know whether, like, someone heckled him and he did that. (laughs) Not bothered. Not bothered. Or I don't know what it was. I'm going to have to, we're going to go back and get downstairs and watch it again because it was very much a defensive laughter. (laughs) I hated the segment, but finish it and I'll tell you why I didn't like it. The mic gets cut off, the lights go out, and the uh, House of Black appear on the screen. Um, And they're basically there to say, uh, You got no mates. Uh, you've got no one who's got your back. Uh, everyone you love won't save you. Uh, sort of treads close to the line with reference in Dax's family. Why does Malachi Black care about this? See, I want to beat you. Uh, and if I beat you, then that gets me one step closer to the tag team titles. He's trying to recruit them. Uh, he says, who loves you, Cash? Why, the, the, Sorry, he doesn't know why he does it. Why that. would, if you're in a stable that are in a wrestling promotion and therefore you kind of want to win a title... The, the, the fame, just the sense of achievement, the professional pride, maybe the money. That gets you a title. Why, if you're in a stable, that's either got singles wrestlers in it, well, not really, tag teams, two different ones, or a trio for the trio's title. Why, if you're in a stable that has two tag team combinations in it, would you want to recruit a better tag team? And what sense does this make? Uh... We, we don't hate you, Cash. We welcome you. Why don't you become part of our family? Um, this is what happens when we have to prove a point so forcefully. When we attacked you, who came to save you? No one. We didn't lie. You know, if I was going to... I'm not trying to make this personal. If I was going to make it personal, I'd get a picture of Dex's wife and his daughter. And I'd set fire to it. And that's what he does. Um, and then they literally say, Symbolic. And FTR storm to the back to find a, another creepy closet where there's a fire. It's so lame. It's so lame. I don't oh, understand. Your, we're your family now. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Well, right. So you're trying to recruit them, but you're not because you're doing the whole... You're playing dumb. You're saying, oh, it's not personal. If it was personal, I would do that. So they're, being, they're playing dumb. Maybe this is really effective. There's nothing worse than people playing dumb or saying they're not doing something when they're very obviously doing it. Drives me nuts. So you know what? House of Black Heels are the air for me. Because there is no worse than when people yeah. play dumb and pretend they're not doing something they are very obviously trying to do. Isn't I it? know model. 
here's an idea. Why don't we see... Cash Wheeler's f- fit, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so handsome. Yeah. We... He models a white T-shirt, and for a split second, I want to order one, and I think, nah, white doesn't do well for dad bods. Yeah. Just for Cash Wheeler's kicking bod, but not mine. Why don't we do... How's Cash Wheeler doing the 50s? <laughs> Why don't we do over Christmas the Dax Harwood uh, promo generator? No, bingo for Dax. <laughs> I was going to say is we see footage of the Harwood holiday home, right? And he he comes home for a long day on. Around initial spell H H H. Ever heard of him? <laughs> Maybe uh, next year when my contract runs out, I will. <laughs> but he's uh, he's been. Uh, He's, uh, he's been a hard few days on the road. Oh, good to be home. Pulls up in his pickup truck. Driving home for Christmas. Opens the door. Oh, fresh cookies. How beautiful that smell. Throws <laughs> <laughs> his bag down. Hey, honey. I'm back. And I'm famished. Walks into the kitchen. He sees his wife. Where are you going? He sees his wife from behind. She's got a bowl. She's mixing something. He goes, Oh, give me a bite of that goddamn gingerbread house, right? Turns around and smells like black. <laughs> oh, my God, runs into his daughter's bedroom. Buddy Matthews is there instead playing with a dollhouse or something. Uh, they're his family now. There you go. I just thought, did you think this was good? I thought it was lame. I uh, know. I, uh, but do you know what? I, I'll tell you what. Full disclosure. I'm watching this last night, and I've gone, oh, my God. Have we got, like, the awesome already to come? I'm also slightly, getting slightly worried at this point. I'm like... Uh, we bigged up Brody King and, and uh, Brian Danielson, and there's been some awesome matches. How are they going to top this? Uh, spoiler alert, they do. They do. Um, but I was like, in my head, I'm going, uh, big, big uh, closing match for, for Danielson and Brody King. Great Thunder Rosa's return. I'm getting my bullet points in my head. We got the, the, we're about to get to the Texas Street fight in a second. I'm like, but I haven't got my, at the end. And <laughs> then, Gaza Black say, we're your family. And I'm like, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't any good, but yeah, I was like, not what you call the old uh, question exclamation mark indeed. double R. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's the Black or FTR's family now. Great verbatim. They've <laughs> written that verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I mean, the match will kick ass. Yes. First half of a uh, a show long mystery came next. Uh, there was footage of Keith Lee beating Shane Taylor at final battle. But then afterwards, Keith Lee tells Lexi Nair, Shane Taylor's not the him he was referring to. And I'm like, who the hell could that be? I went like this. I went, huh? <laughs> well, we shall see. Stick around. You'll see. Uh, then I nearly, yeah, fell off my chair for, for two reasons. Uh, number one, the second women's match on the show. What? Collision's <laughs> better than Dynamite. It's official. Um, number two, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is, I love this so much. It's like the Christmas tradition. For a street fight with the women, they just kick each other's head. I, I want to be so earnestly good and nice and enthusiastic about this collision because I'm telling you, I was yeah. right. But Tony Khan doing a women's street fight at the end of the year is kind of like the deathbed repentance. Mm. Well, I did care about women wrestling <laughs> yeah, yeah. in 2023. <laughs> Look at this high note we are going out on, of course. This is so good, though. Yeah, so uh, not only was this this wild brawl, Statlander and Nightingale came out in. Pulp Fiction gear. Loved that. They got a briefcase, and it wasn't just, we bring a briefcase, we dress like Pulp Fiction. He got used in the match. Uh, they're facing uh, Mercedes Martinez and uh, Diamante, and uh, yeah, they immediately uh, brawl to the floor. Nightingale accidentally cannonballs into Statlander, and in the midst of saying, sorry, Chris, she turns around and gets smashed in the head by a glass bottle. We're like 10 seconds into yeah. the match, basically. So Statland is isolated, drop kick from Diamante, uh, but she dodges in the ring a shot from the barbed wire baseball bat and DDTs Diamante onto, into, instead. Again, 60 seconds maybe have gone by, yeah. and now two different people have got colour. Uh, Statlander throws uh, Mercedes into the barricade, helps Nightingale move the stairs. Diamante tries to jump onto them. She's bleeding, as I said. She gets slammed into them. Martinez throws a stepladder on them. They catch it, and they smash her with it instead. Oh, yeah. In the ring... Uh, um, we get the, oh yeah, Mercedes Martinez comes in with a tire iron or a crowbar or something. Nightingale's busted open as well. G- 
gets just wrecked with it. And the noises she makes, I was like, that's the noise I'd make if I got hit yeah. with a tyre, Ryan. Statlander fights her off. There's another miscommunication. Uh, that allows Martinez to take Statlander the top rope and dropping her into a, some chairs with a spider suplex. Oh, my God. And then they're like, right, off for a break. And I was like, don't go to a break. I don't want to stop watching this. I'm watching the little picture in picture. They're destroying each other. After the break, uh, a, me- a huge spine buster from Martinez on Statlander puts them through like a plywood board that's set up. Nightingale's having to fight two-on-one because Statlander just ruined off the back of this. Nightingale p- pounces her Diamante, this is, into the plywood board. It doesn't break, so she goes, okay, I'll uh, slam her into it again. Again, doesn't break. She goes, okay, I'll, I'll hit her with the board. Again, it doesn't break, so she just snaps it over her knee in the crowd. Yeah! Um, Martinez hits Nightingale with a chair. Statlander comes in with a chair of her own. Statlander hits Saturday Night Fever on a road sign. Uh, Diamante hits her with the briefcase, opens up the briefcase. He's got thumbtacks and glass in it. Oh, yeah. And then I like the fact that they didn't go, oh, what move should we hit? They just grabbed Statlander and shoved her face first into it. Then there was was so many great ideas in this match. There was a code. I think Statlander went for something, I believe. Diamante reversed it into a code red uh, onto the text on Chris. Nightingale comes back in with a pipe. So Martinez goes, right, enough of you. Power bomb. They fight on the apron. Power bombs uh, Willow Nightingale through a table at ringside, does Mercedes. But uh, in amongst all this, Statlander nails Diamante with a chain-assisted, like, discus lariat. That drops her onto the tax. They get the one, two, three, and Statlander goes outside and just sort of wakes Will up and goes, we won. Yeah. Wow. This was such a unexpected treat. Mm. And I thought the level of detail in terms of putting this together so that I never felt like, right, we're going to introduce this weapon, and if we do this move, or feign to do this move, we can then not do it, revisit it later. That's, like, the trick to doing the plunder match. Yeah. So it doesn't go right. We're setting up a table, and I'm going to put you through it. You set it up, you do something else, and then you do something that magically happens by a table, and you get put through it. So... It just never felt contrived. No. And that's the way to make it not feel contrived, but there's still an element of contrivance to it. Mm-hmm. This was so good. And, like, there were so many great ideas, and there were so many great ideas linked together that I kind of forgot the table was there. Like, the bit where you mentioned, like, if you're in a fight and you can see, you know, like, sharp objects there, you're right, just get your face and just put it in <laughs> it. There's no messing about, and then the messing about, which you have to do, was also done incredibly well. That powerbomb spot... I absolutely loved it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was... I love it when you get a plunder match like this and you just really feel in the moment like the wrestler has went, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Not, I'm doing this so mm-hmm. I can revisit it later. Which I don't mind, but when you do that extra level of thought, I just get so much more into it. That spot where Willow Nightingale goes to kick... Um, Mercedes Martinez in the face, ducks it, spins that leg around, right? That's yeah. already, like, a really cool counter. Then I went, oh, God, the table's there. The table's there. I can then do that, try and get the powerbomb onto the table. Meanwhile, Willow isn't just standing there and taking it. She's like, I don't want to get put through a table. I do not want to do that. I'm going to frantically grab onto these ropes. Then Diamante is like, oh, oh, the table's there. Yeah. Bang, I can smash her through it. That sequence was one of the best plunder match sequences I've seen in God knows how long. Mm. I thought it was unbelievable. Whoever put this match together, these four women, whoever was the brains behind it, I just thought they did an absolutely incredible job. What a match this was. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Just loved it. And that's when I was like, this show's trending to be yeah, one of the best yeah. collisions ever. No, it was the best collision yeah. ever. Uh, we go backstage with uh, timeless Tony Storm. Uh, Mariah May is there holding a title for her. Uh, and Renee's like, what do you reckon then? This uh, one-on-one match on Dynamite between Soraya and Riho to see who faces you at World End. And she's like, I don't care. Beat the tits off each other, basically. Um, best of luck. See you at, at World's End. Uh, and then uh, Renee turns her attention to Mariah May. Uh, it says, what's the latest with you? And she says, well, Tony Khan has helped me get my American wrestling license, so I'm going to be debuting soon, and really it would be an honor 
uh, Tony, if you would uh, commentate on my first match. And she's like, I'm very busy, darling. She's like, oh, anything would be great. She's like, don't worry. When I hold a seminar, you'll be the first to know. And you can just see how put out Mariah is by all this. They're very much, very much doing the storyline that we are anticipating. But, but they've told you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Adam Copeland's fired up in a pre-tape. He said... Uh, yeah, you did go to that place. He did. Where, are you, going, where are you going for the holidays? I'm just going to the in-laws. Um, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go to that place. So really, in December, I don't want to... I never want to go to that place. Right, that's the pro- That's a problem with that place. But I just... I, sometimes I have to go yeah. to that place. Just on the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, we've got to do it. Adam, when uh, when's when's good for Centre Parks? Uh, not next weekend. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to that place. I'm going to that place. Can you take the kids with you? Definitely not. Do you have to? Yes, we've established. I don't like going to that place, but sometimes you just have to go. Did you not see the vein on my yes. forehead. Anyway, uh, uh, you should be able to see this sort of thing coming uh, at this point in his career. Um, being that close to gold made me want it even more. No DQ. Uh, TNT title world's end. Christian Cage. I mean, it should be great. The actual body of work in the original was great. So well done. Um, I expect this to be great, and I'll be disappointed if it isn't. Just a bit annoyed, because, like, there's some potential for some unbelievable matches at World's End, and I feel like it's just all going to be lost. We're going to come back in, like, right, New Year. What we, uh... Aye. Anyway. I will, um, I'm off, by the way. Full disclosure, I will not be covering it professionally, but I'll obviously make time to watch it and tweet about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll try and reference it. I think our first proper thing back is like the dynamite afterwards, so me and Hamlet will try and circle yeah. back uh, to some of our favorite Switching things. gears back to full uh, to World's End. Uh, Brian Cage squashed, yeah. squashed Kerry Wright next. Uh, really fun. Dominated him. <laughs> Fall away slams, power bombs, and he's like, I'm not had enough of that. Get up, drill claw, one, two, three. Then we go backstage. Anything you want to say about that? Just fun murder. He's <laughs> a really good squash guy, his cage. Uh, we go backstage. The Mogul Embassy is celebrating. Lexi Nair's like, uh, how do you feel? He's like, yep, yeah, finally getting some respect and getting all my stuff in. Uh, Prince Nana says, it's going so good. Mogul Embassy right now. Swerve's going to win the Continental Classic. And then we in the money. And he does the thing, huge pub. Um, and then they go to leave. And suddenly, the mystery is revealed. <gasps> Keith Lee comes in and says to Brian Cage, why don't you tell him that his patience was running out? I'm like, wait a second, him? Is him Swerve Strickland? Yeah, Keith Lee's had like two feuds in the last three years. How patient is this man for it to only be running out now? So the fact that some people are like, see, maybe you should have let it play out. Off. Yes. No, you're not having that. Nah. This is not. <laughs> See, if you looked at the breadcrumbs, you go, yeah, there's a teeth. There's a teeth. Teeth. Six six months later, uh, there might be a tease there. If you can try. Oh, teeth, teeth. Yeah. There's, an, there's another tease. And then a year goes by. And then, that, that's not teasing. <laughs> a, a year. That's just remembering Literally stuff that happened. A year going by is how this has pretty much happened. Yeah. Um, I total piss take. And I could. I've never. I don't think I've personally seen anyone defender in those terms. That'll be someone. There will oh, be someone. Yeah. There will be a defender. We can't really take Keith Lee seriously as a character. It's like, well, why didn't he put you on the shelf for months? Why didn't he go and kick his ass? Cinder block. I know. Yeah, well, never had the opportunity. Hi. Like, uh, who was it? Oh, out there and challenged him to a match. Powerhouse Hobbs, wasn't he? He was like, oh, I remember when I saw Jericho, I'm going to kill him. What, three years afterwards. Yeah. It's a shame there's no backstage attacks and wrestling, otherwise that could have happened. <laughs> right. Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Garcia. This should oh not my have the God. tension that it did. Oh my God. Preemptive. Oh my God. Like, I was Daddy Magic on commentary watching this match, but for Eddie Kingston. He's so good, by the way, in case I forget, it would be remiss of me. Daddy Magic on commentary is just awesome. We're still in this, I remember, when he kicked out of the first hurricane. We're still in this! It's like, ugh, why do I, like, Garcia's he's clearly not winning anything well, he's, for the time being. Yeah. And yet, I'm like, no. Can I say as well, going back to the long trousers after thinking, you know what, I'm going to be the wrestler again, and his wrestling mentor literally spits on his face 
what a great character choice to go to the trousers again because he doesn't think himself as worthy no. as a wrestler when his idols spat on his face. Like Garcia is so goddamn great at what he does. And guess what, Will Bourne? All right. He's been losing exclusively, and because these ma losses matter to him and are developing his character and he's showing a bit more of the wrestler within each time, right? Him losing in defeat matters again. Mm. Because you know what a victory would mean. Do the rankings. I'm begging you. Please. So uh, they, they mention again on commentary, a loss here. Eddie Kingston's out and he's lost his titles and all that. Um, they trade shops. Kingston hits an STO. Um, and then Garcia pulls Kingston off the apron, hitting a dragon screw in the process. Oh, it looks so ugly, but yeah. in the best, <laughs> most painful way imaginable. I was like, that's how you tear all the ligaments in your knee, boys. How many times, again, I, I don't want to point out negative things about which I don't really feel just to put over something good, but I'm going to do that because yeah. I actually do want to do it. I see because the, the general level in US pro wrestling is a six or a seven. Like a, sorry for the alliteration. It is the, wor uh, the work of yeah. but a very soulless six or seven. Yeah. You never see like a two. And because there's so many sixes and sevens, that makes tens harder, right? I see so much six or seven out of ten. Well done wrestling, where everything looks quite clean and mm. crisp. Though when you see something as deliberately nasty and ugly and painful looking as this, I was like, oh, yeah. God. Be ugly sometimes. Yeah. It can be beautiful. Kingston fires back with a belly to belly and a DDT to take us to a break. We come back. <laughs> Kingston's got Garcia in the corner, does the machine gun chops, and Garcia's like, oh, thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, so Kingston obliges, and Garcia's just slumping down, but still doing his dance. So Kingston's like, I'm going to do it. And he does it to the point where I was legitimately going, Eddie, stop! Because yeah. I thought the referee was going to call it. It's not, it's never actually going to happen. Yes. Like, that's, that's a very much old school WWE. Old thing. schools, 2019 dickhead. Yeah. Different time. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> But I panicked. Old school. I panicked. I'm going to get DQ for kicking too much. beat you up outside of this. Chopping too much ass. Um, so Garcia, yeah, targets the, the injured knee with uh, with another dragon screw. Puts him in a knee bar. Kingston makes it to the ropes. Uh, gets Garcia in position for a suplex, but Garcia transitions into a, beautifully into an ankle lock. Kingston has to make it to the ropes again. Garcia runs at him, and Kingston catches him. Exploded suplex in the corner. Uh, but spinning back fist, Garcia kicks out. Oh, my God. Again, this is where uh, Daddy Magic was just on form on commentary. Um, crowd are loving it. Garcia hits some Saito suplexes for a near fall. Kings oh, my God. Angles. Those came. Uh, Daniel Garcia tries to put him in the dragon tamer. Kingston rolls away. Palm strikes exchanged. Kingston hits a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> Trying to rip layers off one another's faces. It was so sick. And uh, Kingston hits a des I'd call it a desperation hurricane for the one, <laughs> two, three. I absolutely love this. I might have liked this match more than the main event. Yeah. I thought this was such a goddamn towering achievement of actual competitive wrestling with stakes. One of the stakes was just pride. Yeah. Re and realistically, in the case of Garcia, it was just pure and utter pride. Eddie Kingston, I've talked over the last few weeks, I've got an agenda. That agenda is I want to see fewer chops in wrestling because it feels like the structure of a lot of pro wrestling matches is, right, do this, chop battle before the um, before we go to the break, and then we'll do the near falls after. It just feels like this obligatory, let's do some chops. Let's waste a minute of doing chops. They'll get a reaction. There's no, or there's not no, but there's very rarely any meaning any character, motive, any storytelling sort of choice that matters to create, you know, a story. It just feels like crowd will go, woo, or crowd will go, ah, if we do this sequence. Mm -hmm. Eddie Kingston was like, as I put on Twitter, like button bashing these chops because he's, one, you suspect he wants to get that side of Garcia out of him. You think, no, 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 wrestle me like a man. I'm trying to do it to you. But also, he was getting like thwarted on the mat by Garcia. So he was like button bashing those chops. 
to try and like just get him away. I, I was uh, we had our Christmas party on uh, Thursday. Yeah, it's part of which I won a Mario Kart tournament against these supposed gaming experts at What Culture Gaming. You care um, what they think? What Culture Gaming podcast? Wherever you get your podcast from? I mean, should be listening to me on games. You know, I won. <laughs> I've never played a bloody GameCube in my life. It's the same. Every Mario Kart's the same. It's fine. Um, but on that night, there's various like retro cabinets in these new, um, the new hip thing, I think, probably five years ago, yeah, Newcastle yeah, yeah. just got them late. It's like a uh, uh, hipsterish bar with like vintage arcade cabinets in. And, you know, we had the, this GameCube. I know that's not a vintage arcade cabinet. But then you've got like Tekken, you've got like Pac Man, like old school, different eras of mm. gaming. One of them, Street Fighter, right? And I was like, I used to love Street Fighter. So what I'm going to do is, me and Murray are going to have a game. I was Ryu, because I used to know the combination oh, wow. for the Hadouken and the Dragon Punch. Andy Murray was Eddie Honda, E Honda. <laughs> and you ever played Street Fighter? Yeah, yeah. So E Honda, Eddie Honda, you can basically just go... Press the same button and his arm goes. Yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't stop moving. He can't really. You can jump over him and try and do like some kind of attack from the back, but it's very hard to get at E Honda when he's doing that. And was Eddie Kingston? It's like, well, I'm not as good as you technically, <laughs> and I'm very, very desperate. So I'm going to pretty much abandon any sense of strategy here and just chop you until my shoulder or elbow gets dislocated because I need to win this. Like, I need to win this. I've, you know, I'm behind the eight ball already, et cetera, et cetera. And just Garcia's, like, that part of him where he's still fighting for his identity and he's I just thought, There's a level of urgency and desperation in this match where it just had no right to feel like it meant as much as these mm. two wrestlers. Like, what a great pair of performance where they were working that crowd into thinking winning this match went absolutely everything to them. It was deliberately ugly in all of the right places. It was desperate without ever feeling like they were, I don't know, like striving for too much histrionic, cringeworthy emotion. Didn't feel like they were reaching for anything. It just felt like a great, unvarnished, urgent shootout fight. I thought this was unbelievable. And Eddie Kingston is the MVP of a tournament in which Brian Danielson's performing as the best version of himself. This AEW television product has improved profoundly and immeasurably since Eddie Kingston has been at the forefront of it. Mm. I just looked at the, the... I'm annoyed that we don't get to preview and review the matches next week. Gold League seems pretty obvious. Mox J White, Mox. Swerve Roosh swerves. You get Mox Swerve 2 in the final. Jay Lethal, Mark Briscoe, obviously Mark. Next week, right? Standings are Andrade, 9 points. Brian Danielson, 9 points. Brody King, 6 points. Claudio, 6 points. Eddie Kingston, 6 points. Daniel Garcia, unfortunately, on 0. Oh, Blue League's good. Which means, right, Eddie Kingston has to beat Andrade. Main event, that. Yeah. Put that as the main event. And needs other results to kind of go in his favour. Because he'd tie with Andrade, which means the head-to-head record means he'd go above him. But if other things don't happen for him, like Brody King wins, he's screwed. So Daniel Garcia has to beat Brody King. Yeah. And then you've got Claudio versus Brian. Oh, my God. Those are angles. Those are angles, but within the body of wrestling matches. Anyway, Brian Danielson versus Brody King was the main event of the evening. Uh, Danielson's got, a, you know, sometimes when they say, oh, they've got their uh, ribs taped up, it's a bit of a target. <laughs> He's got one on his face. Yeah. Um, so Danielson thinks, oh, I'll just try and chop the tree down, basically. Goes after Brody King's legs, uh, and they say, oh, by the way, it, as if it's not bad enough, Brian Danielson's struggling with uh, double, double vision now. <laughs> um, so King goes after the eye, kicks Danielson down for a near fall, rips the eye patch off, exposing sort of bandages and eventually bloodying his eye up again. Uh, Splashes Danielson in the corner. It's a cannonball. Forces Danielson to roll out to the floor and just follows him. Throws him head first into the announce table. Flings him into the barricade. Chops him into a chair and hits a running crossbody. It's like, well, join us after the break to see if Brandon Danielson's still alive. (laughs) Um, We come back. 
Uh, it's like a boss man slam for a near fall from Brody King. Uh, sends him out to the floor for another crossbody, but this time Danielson drop kicks his knee and sends him into the barricade. Hits a running knee off the apron. Oh, shot, flush in the face. Shotgun drop kick in the ring. Yeah, again, Danielson's bleeding from his eye as he hits uh, Brody King with a running drop kick and again targets the leg. Takes Brody King up to the top, but King crotches him up there and hits a lariat. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sends him tumbling down to the mat, and I thought, oh, he's dead. Um, goes for another cannonball. Danielson counters that single leg crab with the <gasps> leg that he's been targeting. Oh, yeah. Brody King kicks his way out of it. So Danielson just kicks it, kicks, kicking at his leg, hits him with a head kick, stomps on his head, hammer and anvil elbows. King fights back though. Death Valley driver, near fall. Oh my god. Goes for the gonzo bomb. Danielson fights out of it, evades a corner charge. Busai Kuni, that's it. No, one count. Oh my god. <laughs> Nigel McGinn is loving this, by the way. Um, so Danielson hits the kicks to uh, Brody King, who uh, just takes his head off with another lariat for a near fall. In the end, Danielson manages to counter a powerbomb for an inside cradle. And then as Brody King's getting up, he gets hit with two Busaiku knees. Danielson knows that's not enough. No, no, he goes into the corner and hits a Busaiku knee to the back of Brody King's head to get the one, two, three. What a wall. Oh, this is so goddamn great. Like... Brian, like, Brody King was incredible in this match, right? But if you look at, like, the evidence yielded over however many years, like, you, you just get the sense that Brian Danielson put a lot of it together. And he's the wrestler of the year for me. He's pretty much the best of all time, not named Omega. Like, you, just with the various choices that were made in this match, like, the kick out at one, there is a danger that it's getting played out because... Basically, I think a lot of people have realized how great the one that Kenny did at Forbidden Door was. And it's it's, it's not as if Kenny invented it there and then, mm, yeah. but it's become more commonplace after the fact. Every time I see it, for now, I do worry it's going to go the way of, you know, so many other tropes and devices. But every time I see it, usually I'm like, oh, cool, that was cool. This time I was like, what? Yeah. How? <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh. And the spell of a great wrestling match yeah. is phenomenal. Like, Danielson with the choices that they made to do all of that before the kick out at one, he basically positioned Brody King as like this mythical creature who just cannot be pinned for even a minute, for even a second rather, let alone defeated. And he just he feels like he's already a massive unit of a bloke. But then put Danielson in the ring with him and he feels like he's 12 foot tall, mm -hmm. like he's inhuman. Like this is so vicious, like some of the physicality. Like a goddamn lariat. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's got a... <laughs> I think it's fine, but, you know, wrestlers we know will work through anything. A bad knee, like a, an exploded knee for three minutes on SmackDown. Um, a diverticulitis yeah. on Collision and Rampage and Collision and Dynamite with Kenny Omega last week. Get well soon, goddammit. Yeah. Like, you're thinking... Don't do that to his head. Yeah, I You're remember hitting him really hard. I remember when he started doing those drop kicks again in the corner, and he was we, you pointed out, and he was catching them top rope to sort of break his fall. Yeah. Now he's just like, see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just made Brody King look like a mythical creature who could not be defeated. Like, just the choice as well. Like, the back of the head always just feels like, oh, like, like, that would hurt way more. I don't know if it's, like, genuinely more vulnerable or susceptible to damage the back of your skull. Yeah. It just felt so vicious. It's just an expert job of very, 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 very slowly dismantling this beast. Like, slowly, but like, I don't know, maybe gradually is better than slowly. So, various points, it was just like a flurry of limbs and strikes. <laughs> That's just fantastic. Like, believable, convincing, David versus Goliath. Fair. Done brilliantly. Like, every choice made. Couldn't have done more to put Brody King over. And like, I think the story is Garcia should go over Brody King. Um, but, well, good luck. I know it's a work. It's a work of fiction. It's yeah, been determined. Yeah. But my head, I'm thinking, well, good luck. Danielson's Spartan, and he barely got the job done. So what chance do you have? And then I want to see that again, even though it hasn't happened yet. I want to see... Um, Garcia wrestled Danielson again after they've told the story of the spit in this competition. 
bring back the rankings, please. Mm. This is so much better when everything has a stake to it. Sensational episode of AEW Collision. Let us know your thoughts on it on X at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review is available right now. We'll be back to preview Monday Night Raw a little bit later on today as well. Um, but for now, this has been the AEW Collision review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.